you can be seated. Well, this morning we come to the end uh, of a long journey. Uh, 37 weeks to be exact. We have been talking about the life of Moses. And so this morning we come to Moses' death. And uh, here's my plan so you know. Uh, We're going to talk about the death of Moses this morning. Then we're going to spend three weeks talking about the Christmas story. And then for the last message this year, I I, I feel bad about leaving the children of Israel in the wilderness. So I want to get them across the Jordan River. And then I'm going to, so the last message is going to be out the hope and promise of the promised land with the children of Israel. I just can't leave them in the wilderness. I can't, I just can't preach. Moses died and they're stuck in the wilderness and we'll see you, you know, you got to know the rest of that story. Okay, so uh, I'm going to do that and then we'll head into a new series for the new year. But uh, what's in, it, this is a fascinating story because here's what you learn in Scripture. One of the things that you see is that uh, the death of Moses is actually talked about in two significant passages of Scripture. And yet it's unique because very few Bible characters in Scripture, we learn a lot about their deaths. We just don't. Because And here's why. The Bible is a book of life. It's not a book of death. And the, only, the death that is given the most attention in the Bible is the death of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. More is said of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection than, anything, than any of the other Bible characters. So often, when we come to these Bible characters, it's like they're, they're, there's all this stuff about their life and then they die. And so there's very little said, but Moses is a little different because Moses, we see a lot more detail than we normally see in uh, when, when Scripture gives us uh, the end of somebody's life. So with, with that in mind, let me give you a little bit of a picture and then we're gonna, I'm going to look at, I'm going to read actually both passages and then we're going to start talking about it. But uh, one of the things that you're going to, to see is you need to understand Moses is 120 years old at this point. And yet, there's nothing about Moses that is frail that says he should die. He is strong, and you're going to see how strong in a minute, and and healthy he is at 120 years old. But uh, let's read the passage, and then uh, we're going to talk about it. So here's what it says. The Lord said to Moses, this is in Numbers 27, and then we're going to go to Deuteronomy, but Numbers 27. Then the Lord said to Moses, go up to this mountain in the Abraham range and see the land I've given the Israelites. After you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. This is the nice way of saying, you're going to see it and die. And he says, for when the community rebelled at the waters of the desert of Zin, both of you, talk about him and Aaron, disobeyed my command to honor me as holy before the Lord. These are the waters of the Meribeth Kadesh, the desert of Zin. We talked about that where he struck the rock instead of, instead of speaking to it and said, you know, look, we brought you out. And and God said, no, we don't do that. Uh, And Moses said to the Lord, may the Lord. Now, now remember, God's just said, "Okay, you're going to see it. and You're going to die. Now, listen to Moses's mindset. May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and to come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in. So the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man who is the spirit of leadership, lay your hands on him, have him stand before Eleazar the priest, the entire assembly, and commission him in their presence. 
Give him some of your authority so that all the Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest who will make, who obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. And his command, he and the entire community of Israelites will go out and at his command they will come in. Moses did as the Lord commanded. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar the priest in the whole assembly. He laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord had instructed through Moses. Then we jump to Deuteronomy, and here's where the story picks up. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pishka, across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim, and Nassau, all the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, the whole region for the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Azor. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I will... I have let you see it with your own eyes, but you will not cross over into it. Now Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Peor, and to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what Moses, what the Lord had commanded Moses. Now just so you have an idea, this is where we're talking about. See that little dot right there? Um, it's on the other side of the, of the Dead Sea. Moses was taken up there where he could see the whole area. This is Mount Nebo. 120 years old, he climbed that baby. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, I'm half that age, and I don't think I could do that, all right? So I want you to understand, this isn't somebody who's about ready to die. This is somebody who's still healthy, who, it's almost a mile, okay, up. And he's able to climb this thing. And God takes him up there, and he says, Moses, um, you need to understand, you're not going to be able to go into the promised land with the children of Israel. Now, we know that because that's what happened at when, when he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And we know, because we've been through the life of Moses, that was the fourth time that Moses' anger got out of control and got him in trouble. And that was God's line. God, God said, look, in the fourth time, I'm sorry, that's it, Moses. And so God's, the consequence of his choices, the consequence of his actions were, God said, look, I'm not going to let you go into the land. But because Moses was faithful, because God had been so... Um, impressed with Moses' dedication and faithfulness and love and everything else, God said, you know, there's one thing I can do. I can let you see it. And so what he does is he takes Moses. Uh, Moses goes to the top of the mountain. He shows him everything. And he and God spend time, and then God takes his life, and God buries him. And we don't know where God buried him. Uh, there's an interesting passage in the book of Jude in which Michael the archangel and Satan argue over where Moses is buried uh, because they want to know. They, you know. This is something Satan wants to know, and I, I have my theory about all that. But anyway, um, let, let me give you a, a couple of ideas as, as, you, as we go about this. Here's some interesting things about his death. Uh, first of all, he dies alone. You know, one of the things about this whole COVID thing is the loneliness. And we have a lot of people that, unfortunately, are having to die without family around. 
And let me just say this. We have nurses um, who really have become pastors in trying to minister to the needs of those people and their families. And they have stepped up and, and are doing some incredible work in trying to be with these people because of the, the circumstances um, of this. But one of the things that strikes me in this whole story is the fact that Moses, who has been surrounded by these people for 40 years, when it comes to the end of his life, God takes him up to the mountain and it's just him and God again. And he's alone, but he's not alone. It's just him, but God is with him. And I, I, there, there's a tremendous truth in that for us. That as believers, we're never alone, even though we may feel alone. And in this story, <clears throat> I think it's interesting because God takes him up and God, in, in, in this whole thing, when God explains to him what he's going to do, Moses' first response is, who's going to take care of the people? These are the people who wanted him dead. These are the people who have tried to kill him. These are the people who have wanted him, him and Aaron stoned. And Moses' first concern is, God, before you take me, can we set somebody else up to take over? Because I don't want these people to go without a leader. That, that should tell you a lot about the heart of Moses. That when he's ready, that when God says it's time to go, we have, we have an interesting, there's an interesting passage in Deuteronomy chapter 3 where um, God actually asks Moses, or Moses asks God, hey, look, can we not do this? And God basically says to Moses, Moses, we're done talking about this. You're not going in the land. And then, then it's never brought up again. And when we get to the point where Moses is about ready, where God's about ready to end his life, Moses' first concern is, give me, give me, give me just a minute Let's get somebody in line, and then we'll go up to the mountain. It tells you a lot about his, about his heart. Uh, it, tells you, it tells you a lot about God, because God buries him. Now, you just need to think about that for a second. The hands that created mankind dug a hole. Or pull back an area in a cave to put a body in and seal it back up. Let me tell you something. When you're talking about the creator God's hands doing that, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Because God honors Moses. And by the way, it's interesting because you know where we see Moses again? We see him on a mountain again at the Mount of Transfiguration with its Peter, James, and John, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And it's interesting, when you read that passage, what happens is Peter, James, and John listen in on a conversation that Moses, Elijah, and Jesus are having about departure. Well, both Elijah and Moses had some pretty impressive ways to go. Okay? And so they're talking about that, and so what happens is, they're having it, but God says, look, Moses, I, you know what? I can't let you go in, but I can do this for you. And I don't do, I'm not going to do this for anybody else. And so one of the things that we see is that he's alone. An interesting thing, too, is that he dies by the, by the word of the Lord. I mean, I, I don't know what that conversation was like. Moses, it's time. 
Stop breathing. Takes his body, buries it. You see, Moses here doesn't fight the issue of death. Moses doesn't make a big deal of it. Because Moses, and this is what I want to challenge us with, Moses has a theology of death as well as a theology of life. I've often said, you've heard me say this over and over again in this whole COVID thing. One of the reasons some people struggle right now is because they don't understand death. They don't have a theology or a belief about death. They, they have a belief about life, even Christians. I know a lot of Christians. They've read, you know, they've read the purpose-driven life, and they understand that you've got to have purpose and meaning and trying to make your count, life count for God and be for the glory of God. But, but they don't, they've never thought through this issue of the theology of death. What happens when you die? Moses had. In fact, most of us, when we read the Psalms, we always associate them with David. But you understand, David didn't write all the Psalms. Uh, Moses wrote some. So listen to the one of the ones that, oh, 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 no, no, I'm not there. Okay, I'm going to jump to there. Hang on. Listen to one of the Psalms that Moses wrote. <clears throat> Teach us to number our days. This is a prayer that Moses had. Psalm 90 is a prayer. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See, Moses understood, I get X number of days here. I want to make them count, God. Give me wisdom to make them count. Um, and that's part of what we have to realize. We have to realize that as we deal with this whole theology thing, this whole, this whole death thing, one of the things that we have to do is we have to step back and ask ourselves, what is it that we believe about death? Moses had this all figured out. The book of Hebrews is an interesting book because in the book of Hebrews, it's written to the Jewish people. And in order to really understand Hebrews, you've got to understand the thinking and the logic of the times, and you have to understand how they did arguments, and you have to understand a lot of Jewish history, because the whole thing is written as a, if you will, kind of a, think of it as, a, as lawyers in court arguing finer points, and that's how the book of Hebrews is written. And so it's written to the Jews to show the Jewish people that Jesus is superior to the law, to Abraham, to Moses, to the sacrificial system. So there's all these really, really, really deep arguments in, in, in uh, the book of Hebrews. But listen to what it says about this issue um, of life and death. For it is appointed for men once to die. After this, the judgment. It's a very simple passage, but it's packed. Notice what it says. It is appointed for men. In other words, the issue is, you know what? Guess what? You're going to die. And notice, for men, that, that includes women too. But the idea is, no one gets a pass on this. Everyone is going to die. It is appointed unto man once to die. After this, in other words, when you die, there's something that's going to come after this. And what is it? He tells us. He says, after this, the judgment. is appointed in a man once to die after this judgment. The idea once means it's going to happen one time. So all of my friends who believe in reincarnation, that you're going to come back as a whatever, you know, whatever, you know. Uh, I'm, no, 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 no. The Bible says that you can believe that, but the Bible speaks differently. The Bible says you die once. So the reincarnation thing is not a biblical concept. But he says, for his point of man wants to die after this judgment. When you die, what happens? You stand before God. Every one of us. 
No one gets a pass. We live our lives here. There's coming a day that we're going to take our last breath. Our heart's going to beat for the last time, and it's over. After that, you are going to stand before God. And God is going to judge your sin. That's what's going to happen. It's going to happen for everyone. Now, there are two types of people who will be standing there. There are people who have realized that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a sinless life, died voluntarily on the cross, paid for your sin, and as best as they know how, they're putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to save them from their sin. The Bible says to those people, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because they who have put their faith and trust in Christ, you and I, who have put our faith and trust in Christ, we are in Christ. So when I, I can only speak for me, but when I take my last breath or my heart beats for the last time, and I, after this, stand before God in judgment, God sees Christ, not me. I'm in Christ. My sins were judged at the cross. My sins were taken care of through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. My sins were taken care of because I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I am, therefore, do not have to pay for my sin. Jesus already had. So to me, when I stand before God, it's welcome, welcome into my home. Where Christ is already, and I am technically already, but that's a little deep. So we'll just stop there, all right? Uh, so the idea is this, that I'm in Christ. And so when I stand in that judgment time... I'm in Christ. And that's something that's offered to anybody. There are other people who say, you know what, that's just too simple. Snake on a stick. Um, that's too simple. I, I, can't, I can't go down that road. That's just too easy for me. So you know what, I think there's got to be more to it. So, so I think I have to work my way. I have to earn it. I have to do this and jump through that hoop and do this thing. So I, I'm going to try to live a really good life. And when I stand before God, I'm going to stand in my righteousness, the good things that I have done, and let God take my good on this side, my bad on this side, weigh it all out, and then God can look at me and go, hey, you know what, you did pretty good, so I'm going to let you in. And that person is going to stand before God in their sin, wanting God to judge their life as they have lived it. And here's what I would say. You need to understand, God's standard is perfection. It's not 50 good things versus one bad thing. It's one bad thing, done. My standard is perfection. No sin. Heaven is a place where there is no sin. Nobody got there on their own. Everybody got there through Christ. That's what they all have in common. It is a place of Christ and people who have put their faith and trust in Him. If you want to trust yourself, Satan did that. So you get to spend eternity with him. You go, that's cold. I can't believe a loving God would do it. Remember, we're talking about the same God who Moses, who has served him for 120 years, is not going into a land that he has brought these people to because God drew a line. And what you forget is the loving God that you want to embrace sent His only Son to the cross to die in your place and offer you salvation as simple as look and live. That's simple. 
And if you're going to spend your life here rejecting that, then you can stand before God in your own righteousness. That's the only option you have. So I beg you to put your faith and trust in Christ. So there is no condemnation. So when you, like me, have to deal with this issue of life and death, there's, I, I'm not worried about it. Because my faith and trust is in Christ. My sin is taken care of. So, so life and death for me is fall asleep in this world, wake up in the next world with God. It's a celebration. It's a graduation. It's not a, it's not a oh no, what will happen? I, I know what will happen. And it's not based on anything I can do or have done other than put my faith and trust in Christ alone. And so Moses here, as we, as we deal with this, Moses dies by the word of the Lord. And here's the thing, God buries him then. God takes, and, and, and that to me is, is incredible that God actually does that. In fact, like I said, in Jude, there's an argument between Satan and Michael the archangel about the body of Moses. Because I think, again, there's all kinds of theories on this. Here's my theory. Okay, I'm just going to... I'm just going to cover a whole bunch of bases all at once, okay? <clears throat> I don't, I think one of the reasons that God buries Moses is because if Moses had, had, if they knew where Moses had been buried, they would have worshipped the place rather than the God that Moses worshipped. I think that is true of all of the big Bible stories out there. So for me, Shroud of Turin, eh. oh, we got a piece of the ark, eh. and if you don't believe me, go to Israel and watch what they do to places that they think something may have happened. And they build these huge shrines and all of these things, and they worship the place rather than the person of God. And I just think that's what, so I think when it comes to somebody like as great as Moses, God's like, mm, we aren't going down. In fact, Remember the snake on a stick when I talked about that a couple of weeks ago? There's actually an interesting story later in the life of the children of Israel where they're worshiping that thing. And they come along and chop it up in pieces and melt it all down and say, we're done with it. You're, not, you're missing the whole purpose of the snake on the stick. You're not going to do that. And, and I think it's important for us to understand that's easy to do. Um, sometimes, and I think this is, we, we get into this trouble where we worship an experience rather than Jesus. Or we worship, a, we, we start substituting. I think God basically just went, okay, we're going to solve a couple problems here. Moses, I'm going to bury you and nobody's going to know. There's not going to be a big memorial or shrine or everything that people can come and worship and that kind of thing. And then Israel grieves for 30 days. Israel spent 30 days mourning. Um, the loss of, and that, that just fascinates me that it's like, wait a minute, you guys wanted him dead anyway. But I think there's a great lesson there. How many times do we gripe and complain about something and then when it's gone, all of a sudden realize what we had? I mean, I think that's, you want, you want to know what I think the best lesson we can learn in 2020 was? We don't realize what we have until it's gone. And I think the one takeaway that I, that I hope you're gathering out of this whole 2020 thing is a lot of the stuff that we used to be griping about, we would love to have some of it back. Remember how, griping, how you griped about how busy your schedule was because you had to go to this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing? Now it's really easy. You don't get to go to any of it. And you're going, oh, I can't wait till we can go back and do this. 
you know, well, you know, I mean, I got to drag myself to church in the morning. I got to, you know, I got to get up, and, you know. And, uh, da, 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 da. Remember how we used to gripe about now we're like, oh, please, please don't go to online only again. You know, you know, remember how you used to complain about having to go to a family dinner on, on the holiday and it's so, so much work to have all these people over and do all of this stuff. And now you're going, boy, I wish we could have a whole bunch of people over again. You know, I mean, I, great lesson here in the life of Moses, folks. He's gone and they're mourning. Now they're like, oh boy, we wish he was back. And I think there's, there's something to be said for that. Um, a couple of observations about this thing. You know, here's the thing. Things, th- things change. Um, Moses' life didn't, this wasn't the dream he had planned. This wasn't the dream ending he had planned. Come on, Moses, I'm going to show you where you could have gone and then you're just going to take your last breath and it's going to be over. Because if you haven't figured this thing out, life doesn't work out like you think it should work out. I mean, you know, change, and that's the hardest thing about this is, you know, there's so much change for everybody. And for Moses, that's it. You know, it's like, uh, and yet, how does Moses approach? He's not angry. He's not bitter. He's not, okay, God, you can't do this to me. Don't you know what I've done for you? And I've served you and faithfully, and now you're not going to let me go in. And how dare you? God, before I go, can you make sure somebody's going to take care of these people? Because I'm, I'm concerned for them, God. I, I don't want them to go without a shepherd. And I don't know if in the back of his head he's going, you know, God, they're just not smart enough to handle themselves. You've got to give them somebody. I don't know what the deal is. But he's concerned for them. Here's the thing, God's time is not our time. I mean, you know, one of the things you see in this story, Moses, 120 years old, he can climb all the way up that mountain. He's not ready to go. They're not pushing him around yet. You know, he's active and everything else. And just God says, look, it, Moses, it's your time. And I think that's the thing you see in Psalm 90, where Moses has that attitude of, look, make your days count. I don't know when your time is. But again, I, we've talked about this before the message and in, in those times that we have on Sunday morning. We get that half hour, I get to kind of dive into some of this stuff. But, you know, I've shared with some of you my, my belief. Because your belief about life and death really does shape a lot of how you do things. And for me, I believe that before my parents even thought about me being bored, God had already created me, designed me, and developed who I was going to be. And I believe that God knew exactly, August 21st, that year, I was going to be born. And he knew exactly the moment and the time. I believe that. I believe that was planned by God. And I also believe he knows the day of my death and the circumstances and the time and everything. And I believe there are some things that I can do to shorten that. And I believe there are some things that I can do to lengthen that. Although the scripture stories where people lengthen it didn't work out well. So I just don't think that's a good way to go. So I'm not playing. It's like God just, you know. But I, I genuinely, so, so for me, could COVID be the thing that takes my life? Yes. God planned on mine. It doesn't mean I'm foolish, but by the same token, okay. Could it be through cancer? Maybe. Could it be a heart attack? Yeah, I don't know. Could it be falling out of working on a roof or an attic? Yes. Could it be chopping off a limb with a chainsaw? Yes. 
You know, could it, it could be all kinds of things. I don't know. But God knows. And it's His perfect time. It's His perfect time. And as I look at the life of Moses, when Moses' time comes, he doesn't, he doesn't fight to hang on to every last... But he just says, okay, God, let's, let's go do this. And I would have loved to have seen that conversation with God and Moses, with God going, see that over there? Yeah, that, you know, the Manasseh and Ephraim, they're going to be living over there. Oh, they, oh, you want to know about them? Okay, I've got them. They're going to have this spot right over here, Moses. Well, what about that spot? Well, see all that green out there? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you who's going to live there, Moses. That's the discussion they have. Oh, God, can you just give me more time? Okay, okay God, here's all I want to know. Are they going to be okay? If they're going to be okay, we're good. Yep, I got Joshua. Oh, good pick, God. And, and by the way, Moses' Moses's prayer was that they would pick God's man, not Israel's man. There's a great lesson for that when Israel and David and, and, and all that mess, where you have David and Saul. And Moses' prayer was that. And, and here's the thing, you know, again, Moses' story doesn't end like we think it should end. Um, we're all capable of doing, you know, that's what I love about Moses. You see the, the whole life. You see his anger and all uh, getting him in trouble. You see all of it. You see all of it. It doesn't end like we would think it would end. It's not the storybook ending, but how many stories really are? How many lives end with that storybook thing? But here's what you see about Moses. These are things I love that stand out. His boldness. Here's a guy who was bold for God, who asked big things of God. And it's interesting because in almost every situation, God gives Moses what he asked. He wasn't afraid to ask big things of God. You see a humility. When, when God actually comes to Moses and says, Moses, here's the deal. Um, you're going to die. Moses' humility says, will you make sure that they're taken care of? When God is so upset with Israel, he's ready to wipe them out and start over with Moses. Moses says, no, 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 God, please don't do that. Take me instead of them. You see this, this humility. You see this faithfulness. Listen, if I was Moses leading the children of Israel, we would have... The third day, it'd have been over. The third day, I'd have, I'd have been, God, I am done. You go get somebody else to take care of them. Um, this is just... They, I'm, I just helped deliver them from the Egyptian army, and they're whining because they don't have water. Really, God? Oh, Moses, you get to deal with them for another 40 years. Hang in there, buddy. And faithfully. I think that's, you know, when you read this story, it seems like it's, it's like God's being cruel, but I think it's just the opposite. I think you see the mercy and the kindness and the compassion of God going, you know what, Moses, I would love to let you in, but I can't. My justice, my righteousness will not let you go in. But here's what I can do, Moses. You and I are going to go on a walkabout. And we're going to go to the top of the mountain. We're going to get everything set up for you to leave. We're going to go to the top of the mountain. I'm going to show you and answer any question you have. And then you're going to take your last breath in front of me, and I'm going to bury you. And that's how we're going to end this thing, Moses. And that's what you see. And then what's fascinating to me is, you know when you see him again? He's on a mountain again with Jesus. And boy, would that have been a cool conversation to watch. 
you know, until Peter opens his mouth, you know. I know, let's just build everybody a temple. Moses and Elijah are gone. Jesus is standing there going, this is the person that matters, Peter. Figure it out. Um, And that's what you see. And and, and like I say, with, with this whole thing, you see Moses over and over and over again turning to God. Every time he comes up against an obstacle, he turns to God. I love the guy. I wish I could be a tenth the leader this guy was and have the, have the insight and compassion and vision and stuff like that that he had. But he kept plugging away no matter what was thrown at him. And when it comes to this issue of death, he's okay with it. He realizes. My days are numbered. I'm going to make every one of them count. And when it's all said and done, I'm ready to leave this world and go to the next. And I, I hope that's your confidence. You know, here, here's what I'm seeing as a culture. People are scared to death to die. That's what's got everybody scared about this thing. Oh, I could die from this. I'm not saying to be flippant about it. But I, I can die going to bed at night. But when you have the confidence as a believer that there's no condemnation in Christ, that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that he's the reason that your sins are forgiven, and he's your Lord and he's your Savior, when you have that confidence, then guess what? Perfect love casts out fear. You don't have to live with that kind of fear. And, I, you know, do I enjoy my life here? Yes. Do I love the people that God's called me to minister to? Yes. Do I love my family? Yes. Am I worried about death? No. Because I realize it is a step from this world into the next. It's appointed unto man once to die. That day is coming. I can't escape it. After this judgment, I'm going to stand before God. But I'm not worried about that either because I have my faith and trust in Christ. So Christ has taken care of all of my stuff. And there are a lot of people that are friends of mine who have their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and I'm looking forward to seeing them again because their appointed time has already come. And I just want to challenge you this morning. Make sure you have that kind of assurance. And for those of you who are Christians, boy, you want a model of somebody who, is, who really did it with. In fact, Moses is one of the Bible characters that are talked about more than any other Bible character. And he found an incredible favor with God to the point that God spends a lot of time talking about his death and God, per, God in, buries him individually. That's a great, great epitaph on your life. So I close with this. We come to the end of a life of a man who faithfully, humbly, and boldly served God. His story ends with a God honoring, with God honoring a life that was lived for and with God. The reality is that life will end for every one of us and we will stand before God. What happens at that moment is determined by what we have done with Jesus Christ. Please make sure you are ready for the appointment that you have with death because you will not escape it. Let's pray. Lord, For those of us that have put our faith and trust in you, 
through nothing, Lord, that we could earn or deserve, we thank you for the salvation that we have. We thank you for the assurance. We thank you for the hope. We thank you for the peace that comes because we have peace with you and the peace of God. Lord, for those who don't, Lord, may this be a day that they realize their need for a Savior, that they bow their head and their heart and put their faith and trust in you. Lord, may it be a life-changing day for them. And Lord, may you work in each of our lives that, Lord, we would have the kind of humility and boldness and faithfulness that we see in Moses to be able to honor you in all we say and do and use us this week. These things we ask in your name.